Hello, hello. Welcome, boys and girls, to another episode of Midnight MMA with yours truly, Manny G. Here to talk about the week that was in mixed martial arts, recent events, of course, UFC Vegas 77, Mario Bueno Silva with an amazing finish of the legendary Holly Holm. We'll talk about upcoming fights, some gossip, maybe not gossip, but news, Jamal Hills, Achilles Tear, uh, Chael Sonnen, and the news for not so good reasons. We'll talk about that. Of course, Ninganu and Fury, it's official. They'll be fighting uh, at some point, what, October 28th is the date? We'll talk about that. PFL announced their playoff dates. That's coming up in New York. What? September, right? We've also got O'Malley and Aldermaine Sterling coming up in a few weeks in August. And uh, we'll talk about uh, some other things on our agenda coming up the next few weeks right here at MFC. On that note, before I jump into the particulars, how are you? How has your weekend been? We weren't here last weekend. We took the weekend off. So if you missed us last weekend, we apologize. We were just hitting the refresh button. Took a few days just to recharge the batteries. You guys know how that is, right? Trying to adjust my sound, and, and for some reason, my my sound won't cooperate. I, I don't know. Maybe a little better here. If I, I have, a, I have a, a button on my mic. If that will do it or not. Maybe I could just talk louder. I don't know. Anyway, boys and girls, we're going to talk about some headline stuff in MMA. The world of MMA. We'll talk about the results of UFC Vegas 77. And of course, next weekend is UFC London. Uh, and by the way, Cage Warriors is on Friday night. And then Saturday, the very next day, is UFC London. They're both being held in London. And they're both being held in the same venue, though not the exact same part of the venue. Like they're both being held in London at the same kind of location, but different parts of the venue. We'll, we'll talk about that. Are you guys hearing me okay? If you're not hearing me okay, please let me know because now I'm like, I just usually get more feedback than this. You know what I'm saying? Give me one second. Yeah, not really sure why my feedback isn't as much as it's used to, but I will have to deal with it. It is what it is. And if you guys can't hear me, let me know. I'll have to make some adjustments to my to my sound. Um. Oh, look at that. I have like a, a settings menu here. Allow access to the microphone on this device. You know what? That's too much for now. Um, let me just continue. Okay, so let's jump into UFC Vegas 77. And um, I'll tell you what. A lot of things on that fight card went the way I think people would, would have thought they would have gone. And I'm basing that on like interaction with you know my friends, my buddies, what people predicted ahead of time. A lot of things went sort of as planned. And then some things didn't um, due to COVID fight, for example, <laughs> who would have seen that fight ending so quickly. It was random. Estela Nunes suffered an elbow injury. You know, this is par for the course. Um, thank you so much, Thomas. I appreciate that. Yeah. Just my feedback is usually a little, a little louder than this. And for some reason, it's not that case today. And I'm not sure if that's why that is. I don't know, but I guess, um, Yes, my microphone's like, right. okay, okay. Anyway, what up, G? 
what up anthony how are you dude welcome to the to the clan over here you're a veteran you know the deal sunday night show midnight mma so ufc vegas 77 i'm gonna bounce right through that card the results and then we'll kind of you know gloss over how we did too um yeah frustrating because we did well from a standpoint of win loss ratio but we didn't do so well on our actual returns from a betting perspective kind of floated around a negative number but it was yeah it happens let's go prelim card work our way up so first fight was alien perez versus ashley evans smith we went with evan smith and just about about a minute into the fight i was immediately regretting uh the decision um even there at the end of round one into round two when i thought alien perez may have been kind of like cardio it was wishful thinking she was fine looked dominant good rebound fight for her it was what we thought initially when we first did our first glance a good rebound fight ufc setting her up with a winnable matchup here uh we just overrated evan smith veteran savvy and having fought some good fighters we also underrated 36 years old and having been a long layoff those are big factors perez looked good almost finished evan smith a few times so if you had evan smith by a finish it was ever so close uh bad read by us we should have just gone with the simple favorite there perez was around minus 200 favorite at some point she floated all the way up to like minus 240 by the time the fight was about to start fight going to decision at minus 160 does hit we we thought that was a possibility and that's was a nice number if you bet on that it was a sweat though right over 1.5 rounds at minus 370 a little chalky but we thought that was a parlay piece and that was our prop lock for this fight split decisions uh if you watched the fight you knew there was no chance of that uh well then again we've seen fights before where we thought there was no chance of that in this case, there appeared to be no chance of a split, and it did not go to a split. And then we had Evan Smith by decision at plus 300 as a prop that we tickled and uh, did not uh, qualify. And so we had Alien Perez winning by decision, dominant. She did the booty shake afterwards. You know, she's she's a character. All right. Moving up the card, Alex Munoz versus Carl Deaton III. I'll tell you what, we were pretty high on Munoz after our fight breakdown and the stats and everything my gosh he he left a lot to be desired in this fight uh, he he allowed it to be too close at times he would clip deaton for a second you hit the commentating booth recognize it and saying hey man i think he kind of you know stunned him those guys could overreact at times so i do acknowledge that <laughs> the booth can overreact but there were a few times it appeared clearly that deaton may have been compromised and you don't have to jump all over him, go crazy. But Munoz wouldn't follow up. Like, he wouldn't throw that 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 second part of the combination. He would just sort of stand and look. And he did it again and again. And maybe three or f three times at least in that fight where you felt like, dude, just go forward. You, you have him kind of compromised. So fighter IQ, not recognizing situation, whatever you want to call it. Uh, for Deaton, much better performance for him. Um, thought he came out here, obviously survived, went the full distance. So that was a good, you know, good performance for him. For Munoz, he was a minus one ninety five favorite, and quite frankly, just hey, the, the commentating staff felt like Deed may have won. Put it that way. So it was a fight where it, it was pretty close. It did not go to a split. It went to a full decision for Munoz. And I think it was like thirty twenty seven on one card, or maybe thirty twenty six on one card. So um, it was pretty decisive. That's what I saw as a fight. But still, there were times there where it's like, yo, Munoz do more. Fight going to the decision was minus two hundred. That does hit. Um, this fight card, this fight particularly, we had a lot of props correct. Decision prop for Munoz hit. Fight going to round number three, minus 300, that hit. Over 1.5 hit in the prop lock of over 1.5 rounds at minus 450 does go through and hit. 
Next fight, Anzat Moxum versus Tyson Nam, flyweight bout, 125 pounders. Before I get into what happened, I didn't see this fight going the full distance. We saw it, Nam winning by a knockout, right? His power. I think he has, I said, all of his UFC fights that he's won have been by some kind of a finish. Uh, so that's part of his arsenal. Then him being like 40, almost, you know, almost 40 years old, they can, you know, he's getting long in the tooth. Maybe he doesn't have the full cardio, but his cardio was fine. He did ate a few, he ate a few more punches than he dished out. And I thought overall Maxim appeared to be the winner of the fight, but man, it was close at times. And ultimately what ends up happening is uh, Maxim wins the fight by a split decision, right? Let me just double check my notes on this. And I apologize. I should have had that available for you guys in advance, but let me just make sure because this, I believe, was the one sole split on the entire card, um, which I do want to talk about splits tonight at some point. I've been updating my split stats recently, and I have some numbers for you guys that you might find interesting. Maybe now is a good time anyway, if this is a split. So, yes, it is a split decision. Azat Maxim wins Tyson Nim on the wrong side of a split. I'll tell you what. I'm happy that Maxim won. He's the undefeated fighter. It helps keep it building up that hype. I feel terrible for Nam. I thought it was the right person who won by decision. And was a tiny bit surprised it went to a split. For the youngster, Azat Maxim, he did a lot of good things there. You know, I, I thought he won convincingly two rounds to one at least. But it'd be that way sometimes. When you leave it out there, things can happen. The props we had here were the fight starting round number two at minus 250. That ends up obviously hitting the fight goes the full distance. We didn't have it going the full distance. Though. We thought something would happen in rounds two or three. It doesn't, though, so the fight not going to the full distance was minus 190, but it does actually go the full distance. So that was plus money if you had that prop. Over 1.5 at minus 175. Um, and then the KO prop for Nam at plus 750. That was never a possibility. He never had Moxham hurt. Uh, I mean, he landed a few good shots, but Moxham dealt with it very well. Uh, the prop lock here was the fight starting round number two at minus 250. Okay. Since I have a moment to talk about split decision statistics and if you guys bear with me for a second if you guys like stats i got some numbers for you i've got some numbers for you so let me just pull up my uh split decision stats okay so these stats and i'll explain them to you pretty briefly if they sound confusing uh you know i'll try to clarify if you have any questions um so here we go these are split decisions for 2023. Like I have every single one that's happened this year, like the matchup, you know, who it was, whatever else the case may be. Um, and then I have like total amount of splits over the course of the year. So for this year in 2023, we've had a total of, let me look at my numbers here. We've had 24 total cards. We've had 293 total fights. We've had 12 averaging 12.21 fights per fight card. So again, 24 total fight cards so far this year, totaling 293 total fights across those total 24 cards, averaging 12.21 fights per card. So about 12 fights per card, right? Makes sense. I mean, they'll schedule cards for 13, 14, 15 fights, but they'll lose a few, right? We've had fight cards with 11 fights, right? So the total split decisions this year is 34. That's including the one that happened this past Saturday. If you break that out, extrapolate it over per fight card, it comes out to 1.42 split decisions per fight card or 1.42 splits 
per 12.21 fights. All right. What does this mean? Probably like, oh, whatever. Which is it's a, it's it's a it's a split and a half. We average about a split and a half per fight card. That's what it means in layman's terms. Is that a high number? Is that a a low number? Um, I could tell you this: UFC 290, we had two splits. UFC Vegas 76, we had two splits. UFC on ABC five, we had three splits. And then we went two fight cards, Vegas 75, UFC 289, no splits. Uh, we had a fight card this year. We had two fight cards this year where we had four splits. And mind you, this is wild. These were back-to-back weekends or back-to-back UFC events. I'm sorry. UFC 286 and then UFC Texas San Hagen versus Vera. Both of those fight cards each had four split decisions. And it's like, whoa. That obviously skewed some of the numbers up, but it did happen. This fight card won split. So 2023, over the course of a half a year, approximately a little more than a half year, good sample size. We're averaging 1.42 splits per fight card. Let's go back to 2022. 2022, they had 42 total UFC events. Again, we're at 24 right now. So last year, 2022, 42 total UFC events, 538 total fights. Averaging 12.81 fights per fight card. So up a significant amount if you're thinking about the numbers here. That's just shy of 13 fights per card. Whereas this year, it's about 12, a little over 12. So there were averaging more fights per fight card in 2022. Last year, 2022, a total of 53 split decisions in the UFC. When you extrapolate that number over the course of those 42 fight cards, 42 fight cards with 12.81 fights per fight card, it gives you a number of 1.26 splits per fight card. So what is that? That's 1.26 2022 versus 1.42 this year. So this year's trend is up a significant amount. I mean, it's up 1.42 compared to 1.26 you say significant, maybe not. Let's go back another year. 2021, 43 total fights, fight cards, 509 total fights. That's coming off of the COVID year, right? 11.84 fights per fight card, 45 total splits. Total splits per fight card in 2021 was 1.05 splits, 1.05 splits per fight card. 2021 2020 going back one more year for you guys that was also part of the covid situation right 2020 46 total fight cards 456 total fights okay average fights per fight card 9.91 because again covid year we had 10 fight cards the whole nine the point is this in 2020 the average split decisions per fight card was 0.76. You see, I could even predict possibly the growth of the splits into next year based upon this amount of data. 2020, 0.76 splits per UFC fight card. 2021, it goes up to 1.05 splits per fight card. 
2022 last year that number 1.05 rises now to 1.26 splits per fight card and here we are now in 2023 the number is at 1.42 splits per fight card i think we have a legit shot at finishing at 1.05 or better for splits per fight card because of two reasons one the splits per fight card the diagram the chart if you see it it's it's only trending in one direction up that probably continues through the rest of this year we probably get a few fight cards where you have three splits on one fight card i imagine we're going to see a few of those before the year's over we probably have a few fight cards where we have one split maybe even one or two with zero splits maybe even another one with four splits we've had two already this year I would then imagine in 2024, this number doesn't go down. It continues to go up. I don't know what's the cause of this phenomenon. You can argue that the judging has gotten more transparent and stiffer. They're highlighting damage. We understand now more as fans, what are they looking at? The criteria is, is better than it's ever been. Um, there's more eyeballs on it. The sport is growing. However you want to describe this, there's more hands in the pot, more eyeballs looking at the sport and how it's judged. We would imagine better scoring, however you want to put it. But whatever we're doing there, whatever the growth of the sport is, right? Sports growing, huge popularity, all good things. The split decision rate is increasing. Here's the other side of this coin. If you're betting on split props, and if you know us from our newsletter, by the way, we do a lot of talking about split decision props. In our tip sheet, especially, we do a lot of split decision props. Small, 10 bucks here, 5 bucks here. And we're chasing the splits. The sad thing is, if you've been paying attention to split decision prop prices, they are taking a hit. The market recognizes that split rates are on the rise. And so their adjustment is they're not offering those plus 2000 you know split odds you go look up a female fight coming up this weekend look at any of the female fights on this fight card the favorite to win unless it's a favorite that she's known for her finishing ability but the favorite to win her split prop will be around plus six to six to eight hundred plus money and it seems good just hearing it offhand now that would have been plus 1100 plus 1200 even just a year ago now you're seeing split prop prices for even a guy's fight where it's under a thousand, meaning plus under a thousand. So markets adjusting, rates are going up, and I think we're going to see in a very near near future a rate of 1.5 splits per fight card. Seems like not a big deal for people hearing this thinking, what's the point? Well, if you go back to that last four years, this trend is is significant. Where could we be at in a year or two from now? Could we be seeing two and a half splits per fight card? Could we see like a lot more shenanigans, judges dipping into splits that just make no sense? We saw some this year already. Uh, the Cheeto Vera fight. Uh, the long and short of it is this. The market's adjusted. If you're looking for big returns on split props, uh, they're not there. <laughs> they're going away and the, and the market is taking it away from us. So um, I, I, look, I don't look forward to a day when it's going to be like, plus 400 for a split prop plus 600 like that's going to be there soon like plus 400 imagine for a split prop and a split requires so much to happen like fight goes a distance two judges one way 
I've said my piece. Let's get back to UFC Vegas 77, um, our results. Um, but I did tweet out about that, those split props, those stats. So that's the last like, four years, 2020, 21, 22, 23. Yeah, all the numbers. And again, that's every single fight we put together for those numbers. So not a, not a sample size, every single one. Okay. Next fight, Evan Elder versus Hanaro Valdez. How does that work out? Well, I'll tell you what. Valdez has a damn chin. He got cracked a handful of times. I thought at some point Elder might get him out of there. And then at some point Elder got completely dropped and hurt. I wanted Elder to win from a betting perspective. So that was a sweat. Um, give him a lot of credit. He came back. Valdez got clipped more often and he was wearing it more. So when it came to the judging, I thought, you know, Elder should be fine. And he was. He won. I think all three rounds on at least one judge's scorecards, maybe two. So unanimous decision for Elder. I'm surprised the fight went to distance. We didn't have it going that way. We thought the fight would be under, under one, one and a half. Um, the fight being no no distance. We did see the fight starting round two as a good pop, as a good prop. That was minus 250. That did happen. Um, and then Valdez by KO, which there was a moment there. He was plus 650, by the way, by KO. He at least did hurt Elder. But again, Elder, great job, bounces back, moves to eight and two. Um, our prop lock here for that fight was fight going to round number two at minus 250. And so at that point now, we had Evan Elder correct, Azak correct, Alex Munoz correct, and the opening fight was incorrect. We had Ashley Evan Smith. Moving on to Mel Quazal Costa. I know I'm saying the name wrong because on the broadcast, they said it. And I'm like, oh, that's how you say it. But um, Mel, Mel Costa versus Austin Lingo. And Costa looked great. He looked great. I don't know how Lingo survived. Matter of fact, those first, what, four, five, six fights in the fight card all went to decision. Lingo took some hard hits. Costa showed how much better he can look when he's not fighting a guy like uh, Anderson Brito you know, on late notice. So good for Costa. He's the kind of guy where, look, you sign to the UFC late notice. You go in against a guy who's way better than you, more experienced. You're going to lose the fight. But you shake it off, and now you have that second, third fight in the contract. You make the best of it. He's doing that so far. Nice dominant win. Surprise he couldn't finish Lingo because Lingo, my gosh, he had a chin, took some hard shots. So the fight does go to decision, which we didn't think that was going to happen. Uh, it does go over 1.5 rounds, which was minus 245. Does start round number two, which was our prop lock at minus 360. And then having Costa to win, but winning past over 1.5 rounds that prop was minus 110 he was minus 230 in the money line so if you played that prop that was a good spot costa again just winning the fight and it being over 1.5 rounds was minus 110 okay moving on victoria dudakova versus estella nunez oh tough one because i tell you what i i wanted victoria to win from a betting perspective nothing against nunez I mean, late in the week, I was hearing some rumblings. I heard some smart people talking about, hey, you know, give a look-see at Nunez, you know, due to Kova's, you know, wet behind the ears, right? Just coming into UFC, first fight. I drank some of that Kool-Aid. I, I dipped into the little Nunez, you know, pot of luck. Ends up being no fight. Uh, the first little grapple attempt there by Dudakova, she goes for a leg and ankle. It's a desperate attempt for a takedown. No one's hurt, though, or anything. And Nunez just plants her arm the wrong way in the ground i once suffered the same type of injury and it happened just freaky it's like it's almost like you couldn't prevent it i i fell awkwardly 
it was during a, a during a I was actually in a competition, which was super weird for everybody else around me because they saw my arm like mangled. At first, a dislocated elbow just looks like horrible, um, but they pop it back in right away. And then from there, you know, it depends on, you know, what other things you might need. Um, I was in the hospital, got put to sleep for a slight little bit with some gas, woke back up, whatever. Everyone's situation is a little different. She was a lot of pain holding her arm. Freak dislocation due to COVID gets a win by TKO. If you had due to COVID in a parlay at minus 195, great, had a lot of value. If you had her inside the distance, that was plus 150, great stuff there. If you had the fight starting round number two, like we did as our prop lock at minus 360, not so good. We saw some of this fight going somewhere, but this is MMA. <laughs> Things happen. It's not NBA basketball. You're not guaranteed four quarters, right? So the fight going under two and a half at plus 100, that does hit. The fight not going to decision at minus 125 also hits. Nunez by decision at plus 350. We we did tickle that, and that did not hit. Um, and again, our prop lock did not hit. And then split decision props, we we sprinkled those as well. Plus 900 for Dudukova, plus 1200 for Nunez. None of that action fares into, into the outcome. Last fight on the prelim card, Melsic Bagdazarian versus Tucker Lutz. And we got this one wrong. Uh, we were on Lutz. I remember exactly my mindset pre pre fight, and I thought to myself, "Yeah, you know, Lutz is he's he's got a bit of a veteran savviness about him. He'll he'll stay at range. He'll be intelligent." And now post fight, the one thing I'll say to two things: I underestimated Melsic a little bit. He pretty he pretty good. Well, pretty good, pretty good. Uh, and number two, Tucker Lutz, dude, why why not go to? And I'm going to ask this question, like, I guess into the into the into the ethosphere. Why don't some fighters who you've had a little bit of success with grappling, you know, that's one way to neutralize the opponent. That's maybe your best option. What are you waiting for, dude? Um, was it a lack of cardio confidence? I don't know. Combination of all of it, but all of it. But Lutz had a window. At least I thought he did because I wanted him to win. Right. So I'm thinking through the Lutz vision. He had a window, get some grappling going, get, get some control time, you know, put this brother on his back because on the feet, Melsic was a problem. Karate and everything. It doesn't happen for Lutz. Melsic continues the onslaught. Uh, Lutz gets pieced apart. At the end, they go to raise the hands. And you see Lutz is here in the scorecards thinking he's got a shot for some reason. They raise Melsic's hand. And that was the rightful, rightful winner. And you see Lutz is a little disappointed. But look, if you're Lutz, you got to do more there, dude. You know, you got to do more there. So, um, Bogdazarian, by decision. So, on the prelim card, we had one, two, three, four, five fights picked correctly and two fights picked incorrectly. So, so performance. Uh, for the Bogdazarian fight, the fight going to decision at minus 120 did happen. That prop was a nice prop if you played that. Over 1.5 rounds at minus 280. That does go through fight starting round number two at minus 450 was super duper chalky, but that was our prop lock. And then the fight starting round number three at minus 190, a little better return there. So moving on to the main card, Nazim Sajikov versus Terrence McKinney. Now, mind you, Sajikov was minus 155. He floated in that range throughout the week. Money came in a little bit on the McKinney side. And if you know McKinney and flashy, athletic, and, and just tons to like about this guy, I heard one or two 
you know, respectable talking media heads out there say, even if he lost his fight, you know, UFC's not going to let him go because he is a good personality. He's, you know, a lot to bring, you know, just exciting fighter. Um, well, he lost. <laughs> and now, so it, we're going to have to play that, that script of like, okay, he's lost now a few fights and, you know, there's some holes in his game. Um, now the UFC has to factor in, like, is this his last contract? Um, you know, they'll probably resign him, but they're going to be paying him cheap now because, you know, he needs the contract. He needs the UFC. It's not like he could just go walk to another promotion like PFL and be guaranteed anything serious. Um, I know he loves the UFC, wants to stay with the UFC. So a bit of a quandary here for Terrence, who early on looked okay. If you bet on Terrence early in the fight, he looked pretty good. He got the takedown. He got some top control. Um, and I thought early on, because I was on the side of, of Nazim Zajikov, I thought Nazim Zajikov within the first two rounds, that was our play. And that prop was sitting at plus 125. I talked about that on Wednesday's show, on the show with, um, on uh, Butterfly Guard with uh, Haley. Uh, we went over our picks, like our best pick, our best bet. This was the best bet I gave out, and it was plus money. It was Nazim Sajikov inside the first two rounds at plus 125. So, yeah, I, I dare to toot my own horn here, but that was the one bet I gave out on Wednesday evening for Butterfly Guard Show. So if anyone who's there, you know you were there. <laughs> you heard it yourself, but you can also go back and listen to it. It is on the Internet forever. Anyway, um, so Melsic, I'm sorry, so Nazim gets it done. Um, and it's just a matter of I don't think Terrence has the cardio. His cardio is a bit of a problem. Um, he did a good job wrestling round number one, had control time, maybe one round number one, but on the feet, the striking is erratic. His wrestling's okay early on, has nothing in round number two, and so in round number two, he ends up getting rear naked choked at the 107 mark. So early in round number two, Terrence McKinney falls by submission. Uh, that fight not going to decision was minus 650. We didn't play that, but that was the price tag. Uh, the fight going under two and a half rounds was minus 450. That was our prop lock. No round number three was minus 330. Again, Sajikov by round one or two finish plus 125. And then McKinney inside the distance was plus 140. That did not go through. We didn't play it, but that was on our radar. Okay, moving up the card, featherweight bout, 145 pounders, the females, Norma Dumont, the Brazilian versus Chelsea Chandler. <laughs> it's always nice when you have a little bit of pre-fight drama, I guess, during the weigh-ins, if you might have seen the videos on Twitter or whatever else, these two ladies got into a little bit of, you know, verbal trash talking and some of it from Norma Dumont was in Portuguese, so I couldn't understand what she was saying, but you could tell she was heated, and we had that buildup. Norma was at one point minus 160, maybe, 150, then dropped way down to almost even money. I think closed around minus 130, right? Okay. Chelsea had this nice finish in her last fight over... Oh, my gosh. She finished a girl who's fighting this coming weekend. The name eludes me, but the point is she had a nice finish last week and over uh, last weekend <laughs> in her debut and it was dominant, looked pretty good. And so people off of the wave of that debut were thinking, oh, you know, Chelsea looks like she's pretty legit. She comes forward. She's aggressive. And then I think you see the the the, the pre-fight stuff, right? They're talking 
and Chelsea, who's like kind of this bulldog, right? What's her nickname? I think she goes by, uh, I don't know what she goes by. Anyway, so she's coming out here with this chip on her shoulder, the finish. She had the finish over, oh yeah, Storylanko. She beat Storylanko in round one, just knocked her around, ground and pound, got an easy finish. And Storylanko, for lack of better words, not so good. Um, anyway, long story short, Chelsea Chandler comes in here against Norma Dumont, and we get probably the funniest moment of the night. And thankfully, it didn't involve anybody getting hurt, right? Norma Dumont <laughs> lands something serious on Chelsea Chandler, and Chandler's like, you know what? Hold on a second. She turns around, does a full 180, not 360. That would be she's back facing Norma. She does a 180. And runs to the other side of the cage and had to like take at least one or two steps to slow down before she ran into the cage because she literally like ran to the side of the cage, has both hands on the cage, and then turns around to then begin fighting again against Norma Dumont. If you haven't seen it, look it up. There's some clips of it on social media. It's absolutely hilarious. It's the funniest thing of the entire sports weekend. I think if you're looking at mixed martial arts, this was funny. Now, all joking aside, Chelsea does survive it and gets back into the fight and, and survives all three rounds. There was a moment there where Norma looked like, oh, sh I have her, might have her. So for Chelsea, it wasn't an all bad experience. And she was a plus 115 underdog. She was a dog. She fought for your money. If you bet on her, she didn't look bad. Now, typical women's fight, though, does go the decision at minus 200. The fight goes over 1.5 rounds. Decision prop for Norma Dumont was plus 115. That was nice if you played that. The fight going to round number three was minus 300. We had this. We had the over 1.5 as our prop lock. And the split props, we had plus 600 for Dumont by split and plus 1,100 for Chandler by split. It wasn't close. Dominant performance by Norma Dumont. Way to go. If you bet on her, just straight up on your line. Nice return. Good value there. Moving the card here, middleweight bout. Jung Young Park, the South Korean, I believe, right? South Korean versus Albert Duryev, the Russian. We liked Park pre-fight. We thought, look, this guy's been battle tested. He's been in some tough fights. We were wondering about Albert Duryev beyond that first half of the fight. How does his cardio uh, withstand? And just like clockwork, it's exactly what happens. Duryev does have some good moments in round one. Uh, you could argue he even won round one. Um, so I'm not saying he did have a terrible performance from the beginning. He looked okay early on. But he started to fade. He started to fade. And then in round number two, uh, late in round number two, he gets submitted by Jung Young Park, who that guy's sneaky good, man. Like all these Asian fighters, like, you know, they don't do so well at times. This guy is a sneaky good veteran. He's 32 years old. Um, got a nice personality. He's a fun guy. Um, seems like he's fun to interview post fights, you know, just kind of has a nice happy go lucky personality. But in the octagon, don't get it twisted. My man could fight. So the fight not going to decision was minus 115. That ends up hitting. Um, Park inside the distance was plus 225. Look at that, man. Is that done? The fight starting round number two was minus 450. The fight going under two and a half rounds was plus 105. And our prop lock was minus 450. We had every single prop lock on our radar correct in that fight matter of fact i think beginning next week we're going to start doing some uh tips on doing same fight parlays because we've been doing well on some of these individual fight like prop bets like these last two fights park and then in this prado fight 
back-to-back fights we had about five or six different props and they all hit now did we play them all no those are the ones that are on our radar though right okay next fight francisco prado versus autumn otman Isatar, a lightweight battle we all know Isatar is the guy who, who the scandal with the potatoes and sneaking in the drugs whatever got suspended by the ufc now he's back okay he's he's back full force He's fighting this guy from Argentina, Prado. And these Argentina fighters now are hot, right? These guys are coming up looking good. And Prado, who had, what, 11 wins and all wins were by some kind of a finish. Some by submission, most by knockout. 21 years old. And you got Isatar at 33. And what ends up happening is Prado gets the finish in round number one by ground and pound. And it was at the four minute and five second mark. So most of round one is like a back and forth. Things are like somewhat even. Isatar gets a takedown. Um, you don't see anything that's too crazy off the bat. You see Prado throwing some heat. And then, man, Prado. Prado. We had Prado into the distance. That was plus 130. We had the fight not going to decision at plus minus 450. I'm sorry. That balloon to minus 500. That hit under two and a half minus 340. No round three minus 250. Uh, Ottoman Isatar, we had him to win within two rounds. I forgot what that prop price was, but that did not hit. I got to correct that here on my little sheet. Uh, nonetheless, if you had Prado winning at minus 115, psh, look great, even money. And uh, we liked him here. We liked him here quite a bit, especially as the fight got closer. I felt better and better about this young man. And he looked good. He's got a lot to still learn. He needs to improve some of his defensive grappling and defensive wrestling but uh 21 sky's the limit right next fight moving up the card co-main event jack de la madalena versus basil javez oh my goodness so <laughs> let me explain you something here's a fight where we tell you be careful parlaying excessive odds right anything above minus 500 right and then it exceeds that odds don't parlay it I think Jack Dilla closed at minus 585. Well, my brilliant ass thinking, oh, I'm sharp on this fight. I know what I'm doing here. I'm going to do a little few parlays. And I had a few parlays, you know, a little side hustle. Not the ones that are official, the ones that we give out, but like my own side hustle. And some of them are looking good, man. Second to last fight, we had Madalena winning in rounds one or two. And then we also had the fight not starting round number three, these two different types of you know, prop it in different parlays, thinking no way it goes to round number three. And if there's anything that happens, it's wrong. Madalena makes a mistake. It's knocked out or finished in the first two rounds by Basil Hafez. Late notice, Hafez has like a weak notice. Madalena is very good. Just no way we hit round number three, right? Well, damn it. We go the full distance. And what some thought maybe Hafez pulled off the, the upset. It went to... The scorecards, right? And on the scorecards, they gave the split to Madalena, right? Oh my God, there was two splits in this. There was two splits in this fight card. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh, I didn't realize that. There was two splits. I'm sorry, there was two splits in this fight card, and I only had calculated one. So interesting. Thirty-five. The split rate's up to one point four six now this year. Um, so the fight goes to split decision, right? As it probably should have, because it was like, ah, I thought Madalena clearly landed the better, more significant, hard, like hurt you type of strikes. 
had Hafez a few times, you know. But Hafez had control time and didn't do a damn thing with it. I thought the commentary was being confusing for people because it's like fight to fight. Sometimes they're like, oh, man, it's it's, it's takedowns. We're not doing much with it. I felt like the commentary was was really giving Hafez a lot of credit for the takedowns and the control time, but not acknowledging that, hey, he's got to do more with it. He's not setting up a submission or is he laying some ground and pound or is he just laying there? Um, was that takedown a, an exhaustive attempt just to slow down Madalena because Hafez was getting hurt and now he's just laying there? I thought it was more of that. And watching the fight, trust me, some of my parlays blew up in the air when the fight hit round number three. <laughs> so that was already that was already bad for me. Now I had the one or two bets where I had Madalena in there from like two weeks ago, basically. No, a week ago, not two weeks ago. A week ago when the, when the fight came out, I had him as an early play in a few parlays. So now I'm sweating that out. And uh, he gets the win. I'm thankful he got the win. But, ooh, wow, tough performance. Now that we saw the chink in the armor with Madalena, like, if he faces a really good grappler who's got better offensive submission skills, my man can get just fully submitted. You can see it. Um his power got a little neutralized at some point because Hafez just got a big head and he's tough. So yeah, Madalena's stock definitely just went down, right? I was super high on Madalena. I'm like, this guy got the gangster face, the broken nose and um, did nothing wrong here. Matter of fact, he did the most awesomest of things in the post-fight interview when DC goes to ask him about, hey, you know, how do you feel about the they were going to call the decision. What would you think? And whatever. And Madalena does the coolest thing that I, coolest thing I remember when a fighter's being questioned, basically, like, hey, man, you didn't really dominate this fight. Like, how do you feel about that type of question? He comes back with, like, hey, I don't know. I, I didn't really feel like I did, you know, enough. I wasn't really sure. Um, but, you know, with the judges, they make some bad decisions. And so I still, I thought I had a chance. Me meaning meaning that he wasn't sure he won the fight, but he was hoping that the judges messed up a little bit and still gave it to him. What a hilarious way to deal with it. And I if you're out there, Madalena, if you're hearing this, brother, that was the coolest shit ever. And a much better response than the average uh let's say uh fighter who's gonna be a little bit defensive and say, No, what are you talking about? Like I got the win. I put the work in. I'm in the training camp. I landed the harder shots. I knew all along I won that fight. How many fighters would do that? I mean, that's typical. You got to be, you know, it's you're fighting for your money. And I understand the mentality. You're whatever, selling tickets. Madalena, coolest cat in the business, just basically tells you from the heart, like, yeah, I wasn't sure I won that fight. But thankfully, you know, these judges have wiggle room. And they wiggled in my direction, basically. So my man right here uh, earns a lot of personal points with me. But in terms of in the octagon fighting, his stock has just taken a big hit because Hafez was not supposed to go in there and challenge him like this for three rounds. Hafez was coming in about a week's notice. Uh, we talked about Madalena maybe not being on the gas enough because the, the emotional letdown of going for fighting on UFC 290. 
to fighting in front of like 15 people in a small little gymnasium in the apex, uh, different size of the octagon, all these different things. Then also him cutting weight twice in two weeks. He mentioned that in the post fight is what it is. Maybe that all kind of got to him, but yeah, question marks now abound when it comes to Magdalena. I do look forward to seeing him fight again. And for Hafez, welcome to the UFC, dude. Nice debut. Look forward to seeing him fight as well. Okay. Um, so uh comment here for MPTV. Deaton beat Munoz. One judge had 326 for Munoz. Yeah, that was a little bit weird, right? MPTV. That's a great, great comment. So I watched the fight in real time and thought to myself, I hope they give it to Munoz because I wanted him to win. But I'm like, it's probably gonna be close. And then 3026, and I was like, Oh, okay. Well, thank you. Like that. But yeah, I agree, dude. That was it was very, very close. And if a judge gave it to Deaton or two, I wouldn't have been like, I, I couldn't have been like, oh, that's a robbery. No, I, yeah, Munoz, like I said, he left a lot of fat in the bone and he played with danger there. Not a good look. Not a good look. Um, So Anthony writes in here, he says he thought it was obvious that Hafez won. Hey, dude, if you're talking about traditional, like mixed martial arts, like you got taken down against your will and then you couldn't get up against your will, like, that that oh my man terry mizo that should definitely matter for something what's up my brother how are you how are you hope you're having a wonderful evening welcome to the show um yeah i think that there were some decisions there that could have gone a little differently right but imagine pre-fight thinking that the madalena fight versus hafez would go to a split decision <laughs> that wasn't on our radar that's wild right okay let's go to the main event UFC Vegas 77 main event. We, of course, know now by now what happened. Holly Holm versus MBS, Myra Bueno Silva. And Silva pulls off the submission. And not one you see all the time. It's that front, like it's like a front choke. It's not a guillotine. It's a ninja choke. And you don't see it very often. It was 38 seconds into round number two. I had the fight starting round three over two and a half. Those are like the props I liked. Had Holly Holm winning too. <laughs> Man, Bueno Silva is not to be underestimated. And I, I understand Holly Holm is on a slide now. And she's 41. And we are just seeing the very end of the career. Matter of fact, I thought there was a chance Holly Holm might hang it up after the fight. And when she fights next, I'm really, cur- I'm really curious who they put her there next time with. Because... This is it. Like now, age-wise and life-wise, she won't have enough time to make a run. Uh, she had to win this fight. Okay. Um, she got finished. It wasn't even close. And Bueno Silva, frankly, even in round one, she was hitting home harder. Home was pitter-pattering and 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 backing up. And and when she got hit hard, she'd really go for a clinch right away. I mean, all the things that we saw her do a little bit recently. And now doing a lot more of, of those things and not at range and, and, and hitting hitting her opponents with hitting hard, not getting any respect from her opponents. Um, and grappling is average. It's not, it's, you know, so it's it. 41 years old. I don't know why I, I picked her, her to win. <laughs> Knowing some of these things, maybe it was just, again, nostalgia. But Silva looked dominant, man. Ninja choke round number two. You don't see it often. Very impressive. Um, as she let go of the choke and, and realized victory, she was very emotional. She was emotional in her post-fight 
big win for her. Very big win for her. Her submission game is legit. Um, by submission, Silva was plus 350. We did play that prop. Um, but everywhere else, we had everything red here. Like fight going to decision didn't happen. Home by decision. Fight starts round number three. Split props. Bueno Silva. Uh, home versus Silva over two and a half. All those were wrong. Our fight starting round number three at minus 500, mind you. That was our um, our prop lock. And go figure. The fight is over round number two. So, Silva, not to be underestimated. We had every fight on the main card picked correctly for winners and losers. We had Madalena, Prado, Park, Dumont, and Sajikov. Home was the last one. Got it wrong. And we paid some money there because some of our parlays we had involved that fight going a bit longer. Matter of fact, let me just go over our tip sheet real quickly here. The results of UFC Vegas 77. So, Moneyline Bets, we had... Nazim Sajikov to win outright, Ashley Evans-Smith to win outright, Tucker Lutz to win, and Tyson Nam to win. Obviously, we lost three of those four, did not do well. So we had 1.75 units in total on the line for Moneyline Wagers to win through 2.37. We walk away with minus 1.51 units for our individual Moneyline Wagers. For prop bets, we had submission by, by, by submission for Silva at plus 350. That did hit. We had Park versus Duraev. The fight doesn't go the distance at minus 115. That also hit. Nazim Sajikov to win within the first two rounds at plus 125. We had a small bet there, a quarter unit to win 0.31 units. Uh, Dudakova to win into the distance at plus 150. We had 0.3 units there to win 0.45. And then a bunch of split decision props where we played small amounts, 10 bucks, 15 bucks. In total, though, we just ran in place. For our prop bets, we had 2.77 units on the line to win at best case scenario 14.22. We walk away with negative 0.09 units. Uh, just nothing, right? Nothing. Parlays. Um, we hit Chandler versus Dumont over 1.5 rounds. Prado versus Azatar, not going the distance. Park versus Duraev, starting round number two. That parlay was minus 126 odds. We had 1.26 units on that to win one. Elder, Elder, Azat, um, and Costa. That three combined right there for plus 147 odds. And that gave you, uh, sorry, plus 147 odds, 0.70 units to win 1.03. That did hit. And then a handful of other parlays did not. So unfortunately for our parlays, we had 4.96 units on the line to win 7.21. We end up with negative 0.97 units for our parlay results. Again, we had two that hit, but we had one, two, three, four, five that did not hit. <laughs> not good math. Our parlay pieces, Chandler versus Dumont over 1.5 rounds. Okay. McKinney versus Sajikov under two and a half rounds. Check. Prado versus Isatar, no distance. Check. Lutz versus Bagdazarian, starts round number two. Check. The last parlay piece, Home versus Silva, starts round number three doesn't go through and that takes apart our first special which is our triple p parlay so our triple p parlay falls apart our ladies night parlay also falls apart we had dudakova dumont and home the last leg lose that one the team america parlay had no chance that had like deaton nam smith um lingo all the americans you know lutz mckinney chandler hafez holly home <laughs> 
The Soviets parlay, that was Durayev, Dudakova, Sajikov, Maxim, and Bogdazarian. Um, that ends up not hitting, but we had a second leg there. We did a, a second level. We took Durayev out. So we had Dudakova, Sajikov, Maxim, and Bogdazarian. Good foresight by us. That gave you plus 417 odds. A 0.24 unit bet on Dudakova, Sajikov, Maxim, and Bogdazarian gave you a 1.00 unit return. Los Latinos parlay. That was Valdez, Perez, Munoz, and Prado. That gave you plus 1391 odds. Of course, Valdez did not win. We had a second level there. Same thing with the Soviet parlay. We removed Valdez. Again, good foresight. So Perez, Munoz, and Prado. That three-legger gave you plus 326 odds. A 0.30 unit bet to win 0.98 units. And so for our specials, we had 2.91 units in a line to win 152.61. We finished with negative 0.39 units for our specials. I mean, just running in place with the hardest hit area being our individual bets. So in grand total, we had 12.39 units in the line. We finished with negative 2.96. Frustrating. We are on a losing streak. This is about four or five UFC events in a row where we've had negative output at the end of the day very frustrated we got to keep up the positive you know output though and i mean positive mindset bouncing back next week at ufc london is the plan of action um we take our lumps though i ain't blaming holly home she's a legend we should have had a little more faith in the younger bueno silva and it cost us and that last fight probably cost us profitability right <laughs> it is what it is we cannot cry over spilled milk right Hopefully, if you were gambling on UFC Vegas 77, it was nicer to you. And if you weren't gambling and just watching, you know what? I hope it uh, hope it went well for you either way. The people you were rooting for, I hope they won. Okay, let's get back to business here. That's UFC Vegas 77. Uh, for Bueno Silva, the aftermath, uh, yeah, she's getting herself in line now for something big. Her submission ability is incredible. Uh, she's a force to be reckoned with. Looks like she's hitting that peak. Um, of her career for next weekend we have ufc london i'll give you guys a quick preview of that uh, that fight card i've had a few fights already broken down and got over the notes and everything but i'll give you guys my thoughts on that in a few moments uh while i remember while i remember we do have a very cool newsletter it's an ma newsletter it's run through Substack. if you're like what's this uh sub you speak of Substack is an app meant to distribute newsletters. Maybe you want to do some writing at some point. Maybe you should consider using Substack because it's a free platform. Your user could sign up just, they sign up via email, privacy is all there and everything. And uh, our newsletter goes out once per week per event. So if it's UFC London next week, you'll get one newsletter breakdown for the preview, the write-up of each fight, stats, links to stats, you know, resources to re research the fighters even more. And then around Friday, the day before the event, you'll get a tip sheet. All of our official bets we're placing for that event. Parlays, prop bets, so on and so forth. Now, if we have a PFL event or a Bellator event the same week, you'll get second email for that event. When I say email, again, if you're using the app, you can open it on your phone and get the newsletters via app. If you're not a big newsletter guy because you're like, oh, I don't like reading newsletters, I gotcha, I gotcha. By signing up, it's free to do so, by the way. By signing up, you support our channel, support our content, support our vision here. So consider signing up. 
The link is down below. It's run through Substack. The link is mmafightclub.substack.com. If you want to be a super supporter, you can become a paid subscriber. That's $5 a month or $40, $40 per year. Again, all run through Substack. By becoming a paid subscriber, you do get access to a little bit more of the content. Uh, free subscribers get limited content, but still some content nonetheless. So again, consider subscribing to our newsletter. That link is down below if you're watching this on YouTube, Twitter, or Twitch. Okay. Some MMA news and gossip, some things that are going on in the world of MMA. You guys probably heard by now, Jamal Hill has relinquished his light heavyweight title because of an Achilles rupture or tear. Depends on how you want to word it. And uh, unfortunate, big fan of Jamal Hill. The guys kind of come out from under uh, a quick rise to the title. Convenient, obviously, had some injuries that allowed him to find out his way to the title pretty quickly. And for Yuri, Yuri vacated the title before because he had the injury to his shoulder. Jamal Hill announced that in his, you know, I guess, announcement to everyone, he said the same thing. I want to do the same thing Yuri did, not hold things up. And so hopefully we see Jamal Hill. I mean, Achilles takes, it takes a minute. Um, not just to heal it, but then get back to training. So, like, you can't train a lot. You can't do a lot of road work with a torn Achilles. And if you know Jamal Hill, he likes to eat, right? So we'll have to see him maybe in a, a seven, eight months from now before we start getting any real updates about another fight. But wishing him the best. And now there's going to be, like, I mean, we don't know. Interim belt or what's going to happen. Yuri Prashash is looking to come back and fight soon. But in essence, we don't have a champion right now for the light heavyweight division. And, I mean, not even a year ago, it was kind of in the same situation. It was in flux, right? So we'll see what happens there. Chael Sonnen. I'm not sure if you guys know that guy, Chael. I'm sure you guys know, of course, Chael Sonnen. He's all over social media and Air Hawani show and does some stuff. Respectable guy. Does his stuff around the business. He had a bit of a snafu in december of 2021 involving some people all these things are accusations i wasn't there i'm not corroborating anything basically some hands were thrown some ladies were hit some men were hit in total like six seven eight people i guess aggravated battery charges and all kind of things came in the pipe the lawyer sat down got some plea deals done he officially pled no contest to the last remaining charges this week ultimately giving him no jail time, nothing serious. It seems like, look, maybe people had a few drinks. You mess around, you talk some, you know, S-H-I-T to a, a former UFC fighter and, you know, you get the hands. <laughs> Nonetheless, um, it seems like all is okay with him. He's moving forward. And I think it's important for people to remember, we all make mistakes. Alcohol does bear the worst in us at times. And so, Chael Sonnen, God bless you and your family. You move on to bigger and greener pastures, right? Tyson Fury versus Francis Ninganu. You may have heard of it unless you've been under a rock the last week. Set for October 28th. I mean, we could dedicate a whole hour to talk about this. I mean, it's incredible. When you think about what the, the word in the street was about Ninganu, like what the common opinion was of him two, three months ago to now, what is actually happening. When I say opinion, I mean like people thought, oh, he's messing it up. Fumbling the bag. That was the the common opinion. He's fumbling the bag. He he shouldn't have played tough with the UFC. Uh, I think Chael Sonnen, he actually said that, uh, or he advised publicly that Francis should call Dana White and say, listen, hey, 
let's let bygones be bygones i'll come back to ufc i'll fight john jones i'll take that eight million or whatever rumored he's going to get from ufc right and get back on board become a company guy that was the opinion of a lot of people i mean some people just simply said he's looking for easy fights doesn't want to you know he wasn't play nice he wants to do his own thing he's being difficult complaining too much he's a boring fighter he wrestled against Cyril Gaon. just everything you can imagine but the most common opinion was he don't know what he's talking about he's overvaluing himself it's not going to work out well he's going to regret this that was the sentiment sentiment of the whole general climate out there me <laughs> i was being optimistic more from the heart I feel like the guy's been through so much. And I'm like, I really hope this works out for him. I really hope he doesn't fumble the bag. I got worried too. I was like, man, things are not happening so quickly. It's been a few months. I was starting to worry. I'm like, what if he ends up maybe kind of getting a little blackballed? Like the big guys at Bellator and PFL, they're all like, listen, don't give that guy the money. He's not worth it. And if you remember, the one championships guy, he kind of came out, said some stuff out of one side of his mouth. Oh, we, 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 we declined to offer him. We had the money. It wasn't the money. Uh, Bellator had their little, you know, and then PFL comes out and announces some big deal. What? Two weeks ago with Ninganu that allowed or two, three weeks ago, month ago, announced Ninganu to, to box and all this money's getting paid for PFL. People were like, oh, PFL's overpaying him. That's just PFL. He doesn't want to fight UFC. Blah, 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 blah. Boom. Tyson Fury. Frankly put, in my humble opinion, I think Francis Ngannou has played this perfectly. If he had stayed in the UFC, if he had re-signed in the UFC, he would not be able to fight Tyson Fury in a boxing match. Don't ever get it twisted. That was not going to happen. Number two, he would never have seen anywhere near the dollars that he's going to see now under the PFL and these Tyson Fury type of fights. Now, is he being overpaid? Probably. Is PFL overpaying him? Yeah, probably. That's not his problem. <laughs> his problem was being potentially underpaid before, right? And then having limited flexibility in terms of what he can do with his career. Those things have been solved now. Like he has more flexibility. He has the opportunity to, to do boxing, which if you don't recall from his like documentary, he wanted to be a boxer. He left Africa with the dream of going to France or going to Europe and becoming a heavyweight champion. This was his dream. And if he knocks out Tyson Fury, there's no belt involved, I believe, but it wouldn't matter. He would, in essence, be the de facto baddest man on the planet, heavyweight champ in the UFC, heavyweight champ in, in boxing, in, in the essence of the eyes of the people. He's played this all so well. I I think very highly of him. People forget his his beginnings. Came up very tough. Um, but for Ninganu, man, this is going to be fantastic. October 28th, right before Halloween, we get the treat of watching Ninganu and Tyson Fury. We'll see what happens. I think Fury probably gets the best out of him later in the fight. That's my initial take. But Ninganu and trust. Yeah, the guy's a tough guy, man. Tough guy. Kevin Lee retires. Oh, Kevin Lee, you may have heard. Kevin Lee has just retired. He did it via Instagram. Uh, said some very nice words, you know, had a good career. Fought, I mean, he's only 30 years old. Only 30. Just re-signed to the UFC for what, a three-fight deal. But, man, did not look good in that first fight back. You could probably look back the last 
three, two, three years ago when the UFC first was getting ready to cut him before those last few fights and whatever else. It's just been the chin got the chin got checked. Uh, durability's not there. He mentioned doing other things. I'm happy to see he's going to walk away without doing it too long. And uh, for Kevin Lee, man, tough way to go out, but respectable career. Very good former wrestler, former state champion, I believe. Wrestled in college as well. And uh, hopefully he puts his time into something else that he's passionate about and gets some good results. He deserves it. Seems like a very nice guy. The PFL has announced their playoff dates. They're coming up in September. If you don't know what the PFL is or their playoff system, it's okay. Um, it's on the edge of you know the, the, the universe of MMA stuff that some people want to get into. But they have a playoff system, and their playoff system will begin uh, in September. And different weight classes, whatever, but it's a two-round playoff system. You win the first round, your second round is basically your championship, and you're fighting for a million pesos. So that was just announced coming up in September. So no PFL the next few weeks, but they do have it up coming up in uh, September, I believe, not not uh, not August. I could be wrong. Maybe late August. Sugar Sean O'Malley, he'll be fighting all Jermaine Sterling coming up in August. That's like middle of August, I believe, right? So that's a big fight coming up soon. And so, um, yeah, some nice stuff on the horizon. Of course, you've got John Jones fighting Stipe Miocic. That'll be in November. UFC is not to be outdone by the likes of Ngannou and Fury fighting. That'd be kind of interesting. Like, so Tyson Fury and Ngannou will be fighting around the same time of the year, but one will be in the octagon, one will be in the, the boxing ring. Again, man, Francis has definitely played his cards right, right? <laughs> I mean, think about it. Okay, um, that covers some news and some gossip around the world of MMA. Upcoming events. What is on tap this week coming up in mixed martial arts? What do you need to be watching? I will tell you. I will tell you. Yeah, Eagle got checked, right? For sure. So, um, Cage Warriors one. 57 is this Friday, 2 p.m. Eastern, being held in the wonderful confines of London, England. Yes, that London, like the London Bridge is falling down. Now, if you go over to the tapology, you'll notice that Cage Warriors 57 is being held at the O2 Arena, like venue complex area on Friday. 2 p.m. Eastern time, 2 p.m. New York City time, our time on the East Coast, United States, which will be evening time of the people there in London. But guess what? The following night, UFC London, which is UFC Aspinall versus Tybura, takes place same night. Sorry, following night, same venue right there in London. So back-to-back nights in London, the MA fans are going to be treat, treated out to the Cage Warriors 157. Then following night, UFC London, same exact location there in London. And again, both events are taking place at 2 p.m. Eastern, our time. So 2 p.m. Eastern, our time, New York City time on Cage Warriors on Friday, and then 2 p.m. on Saturday for UFC London. In between that is going to be LFA 163 on Friday night, Friday night for American time, and that's 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern time, LFA one. 63. Now, if you don't know, Cage Warriors, they do their broadcasting of their fights on the UFC Fight Pass. And they're ultimately like a, a feeder system 
for the UFC. So putting those events like night before UFC, same exact city, so on and so forth, you could see the 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 synergy there on how these two organizations work together. And of course, fighters like Patty Pimlet have come up through Cage Warriors. And again, they're a bit of a feeder system for the UFC. As for UFC London next week, let me take a little glance here with you guys, an early glance at uh, some fights. And I'll give you guys a little bit of feedback here. All right, what do we got here? I got too many windows open up. That's what I have here. Uh, let me go here to close some windows before I crash my computer. Okay, so UFC Fight Night Aspinall versus Tybura. Here's my just off the cuff on a few fights. I haven't really looked closely at all of them, but some of them have looked a little more close than the others. I do like Tom Aspinall in the main event. Uh, fighting at home in England, bouncing back from that weird injury that he had where he kicked Curtis Blades, but he hurt his own knee and whatever. Uh, Tybura, 24 and 7, should not be overlooked. Has looked good of late, has a bit of wrestling. He's an above average wrestler for a heavyweight. And Tom Aspinall is like above, above, above average wrestler, grappler for a heavyweight. So the fight probably hits the ground at some point, and uh, Aspinall will find himself some kind of a submission. Coming event, Molly McCann versus Julia Storlenko. And Julija, I'm sorry, Storlenko. McCann is a, a big time favorite there in England. She's from Liverpool. The crowd's going to be a ruckus. It's the Komen event. Uh, Patty Pimlet will probably be in attendance. Her buddy, even though he's not fighting on the car, but he'll be there. And and every one of the, her, her brethren and her sisters will also be there, too, cheering her on. Her post-fight celebrations are awesome. I think McCann finishes Julija Storlenko in round one via knockout. If you want to take a play on something that's a, a bit of a dog play, take Julia, Julija, I'm sorry, Storlenko by round one submission. I think almost all of her submissions, which are armbar related, are all in round one. She tends to gas out after that. So her one path of victory would be round one submission. And she does know how to do that. She's pretty good at that. Um, but give me Molly McCann round one knockout. Nathaniel Wood versus Andre Feely. Give me Nathaniel Wood. He's fighting at home. Um, been inconsistent at some points in his career. He's also had some issues with durability. I think four of his five losses have been by some version of a finish. And Feely. Won his last two wins by split decision, has a bunch of L's in, in between, um, has been inconsistent. I just think pound for pound, Nathaniel Wood is the better fighter. I'm not super confident in him winning, but I think he gets it done here by decision. Andre Munoz versus Paul Craig. Someone's trying to get submitted, right? That's your first thought. Munoz is a submission guy, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, and from Brazil, um, Paul Craig, that's really all he does. Craig's getting long in the tooth. He's, he's he's an older guy, even though his age doesn't really tell you that, but he's been around the block. Durability's become a bit of concern. He can be chin-checked. <sighs> I think I'm going to edge with Munoz here before I like, give a deeper dive here, but the, the play is probably the fight not going the full distance, right? Not going to round number three or under two and a half, or the fight ends by submission. I like those props. Jay Herbert versus Fares, Fares Ziem. <sighs> I'm going to do it. I'm going for Ziem. You never say never, but he's a fighter where it's like at some point I'm like, I would never bet on him. I would never choose him to win. He doesn't push tempo. He lacks urgency. Looks like he's timid, all these different things. But change fight camps now at Kill Cliff, that's a plus. He's so young at like 26 years old, another big plus. We see all the time fighters make big improvements from fight to fight when they're young. He's not fighting at home in England, right? That's going to be his, his counterpart, Jay Herbert's the one at home. 
but he's from France. You know, we're not talking about like we're talking about a stone's throw in terms of, you know, world geography. He'll have some level of support there. He's got all the physical tools. Can he put it together? Uh, Jay Herbert, good, exciting fighter. They both are kickboxers. Uh, both can put your hands on each other. Both can get their hands on each on, on another guy and, and do some damage. But ZM is elusive. He's hard to hit. He can be annoying to fight against. His fight style, not the most exciting at times. Submission skills are underrated. Has like three or four submissions on his resume. Give me ZM to eke out a very boring split decision. Leron Murphy versus Josh Kulabau, a fight I have not looked deep into. Give me Leron Murphy, though, at home. Very athletic. I like him to win. He's 12-0-1, still kind of perfect, kind of. He goes 13-0-1. Davey Grant versus Daniel Marcos. Give me Daniel Marcos to win. This guy's pretty tough. Both are fighting, you know, uh, both are fighting good competition. Marcos has not been in the UFC as long as Davey Grant, but my my preview before I even jumped into this fight, I like Marcos to go 15-0. Danny Roberts versus Johnny Parsons. I haven't looked at this fight at all. <sighs> give me Danny Roberts. I but I don't have anything to give you on that. I have to look more into this fight. I, I Johnny Parsons, for example. When was the last? That's right. I remember the last time Johnny Parsons fought. He was fighting as a big dog and he pulled off the win. Yeah. Against Solomon Renfro by split. My goodness. Um, yeah. Um, was that a big win? I don't know. That was like two years ago, 2021. Yeah, I, I'm, well, I guess, why hasn't he fought in that long? So I'm going to go with Danny Roberts there. Anyway, Mark Casey, Joel Alvarez. Mark Casey can win the fight. He can. He can just wrestle Joel Alvarez to the ground, hold him down, win the fight. But Alvarez has a mean streak in him, and he's got these... He's got a version of him that's like very dangerous <laughs> and could put you into a situation where you're fighting for your life. Mark D. Casey has shown that he's got some durability issues and you don't want to have durability issues against a guy like Alvarez because he'll test them. So I'm going to edge Alvarez here to bounce back on a nice win. Mark Pack Parkin versus Jamal Pogues. Oh, man, here we go. So uh, Mick, Mick Parkin is 6-0. Mark Parkin from England. And um, Jamal Pogues is 10 and 3 American fighter, all heavyweights. I, I got to choose a side. Just give me Parkin. He's that English guy at home undefeated, but probably just take the unders here. Uh, don't want to be married to a side from a betting perspective. Next fight, Brian Barber. Oh, by the way, this is a huge fight card, 15 fights as of now. Brian Barbarena versus Mahmoud Muradov. Muradov's pretty good, 25 and 8 overall. The OV at the last name, the big record. Money's coming in on him early on. Look, Brian Barberina could definitely spoil the party. So before I look into this fight any further, I'll say this. Barberina is a live dog, legit live underdog. And Munadov probably wins the fight and probably wins the fight by decision. Caitlin Vieira versus Panny Kianzad. I don't get this one. Let me explain to you why. Just hear me out for a second. When I first saw the fight come out, I went to the line like, okay, where's the line at? And I'm like, well, Caitlin Vieira at minus like 200. I'm like, I'll take some of that. I was thinking to myself, I'm like, I think she probably wins this fight pretty handily over Panny Kianza. Panny Kianza's okay. Like, she's pretty good, Swedish fighter, but Swedish slash, I think she's from Brazil as well, but she via Sweden, right? She's 16 and six. You got Vieira at 13 and three. Vieira has looked pretty good her last few fights. Good size, frame, and pretty good activity, durable. 
I think she's on the upswing. I think her, her better days are still in front of her and she's looking good. And Panny Kianza, quite frankly, I haven't been as impressed. And I go back to her days when she was on the Ultimate Fighter too. So I've been watching Panny Kianza for a while. She, look, she's not a bad fighter. Like she won her last fight against Lena Landsberg, okay? She lost the decision to Raquel Pennington, respectable. What's her biggest win? What? Sajar Eubanks, Betch Carrera, Lena Landsberg. I mean, Jessica Rose Clark. So Jessica Rose Clark, no longer in the UFC. Sajar Eubanks, no longer in the UFC. Betch Carrera, retired. You know, so these are the people she's beating. She lost to Macy Chasson, Julia Avila, Raquel Pennington, Sarah Kaufman, Raquel Canuto, Tanya Evinger. You know, oh, she beat Lena Landsberg way back in the day, 2012. I just realized that. And so then, and then Lena Landsberg just beat her in the last fight. I mean, look, Lena Landsberg, she's not very good. She's 10 and 8. Wow. So Lena Landsberg, right? Check this out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Lena Landsberg, she's, she lost four in a row. She's lost six of her last nine. And so, you know, that's, that's who Panny is beating by decision. I think that this fight is not lined correctly. I think Caitlin Vera should be a minus 400 favorite. And I think she's going to easily win this fight. That's what I think. And I'm doing this. That's my thought process before I do the deep dive. I think when you pull the stats up in these two fighters, let me pull up the stats real quickly on these two. Um, let me see here. So let's go down to where, where are these grow. So Vieira versus Kianzan. Okay. So Vieira lands 3.24 strikes per minute and absorbs 4.16. That's not good. Panny lands 5.32 and absorbs 4.12. So from a striking perspective, interesting, Panny Kianzad has the statistical advantage. Takedowns, 1.36 per fight for Vieira, 0 0.40 for Kianzad. Takedown defense, 92% for Vieira and 80% for Kianzad. So at least striking-wise, I got to give it to Kianzad. She appears to have more volume. Uh, yeah, I just look. I think Caitlin rolls to victory here. Not maybe a finish, um, but a one-way decision. And then we're going to have look, play the split props, right? Let's move down. Chris Duncan versus Yanel Ajmos. Ajmos. Yanel Ajmos, who who looks like he could be like of the Jewish faith, right? And then he's from Israel, right? He's not Jewish, though. And it's almost like you forget people do live in Israel that are not of Jewish faith. A Christian, whatever, Buddhist, whatever, whatever his background is, and whatever his religion is, I'm sorry. Up against Chris Duncan, and oh my it's Chris Duncan. I, I'll never forget him fighting on contender series, right? And a, a person who listened to the channel reached out to me and said, Oh, I know the guy. He's he's a really hot prospect, and you know, whatever. And I looked up the film on him and I'm like, Yeah, I agree, man. He's exciting, he's strong and nice tattoo, the finishing ability, all the things you would look for if you were Try to root for a guy from Scotland, right? And then he got worked on Contender Series. And ever since then, I'm always like, oh, when I see Chris Duncan come up for a fight, I'm like, the chin, man, the chin, the chin and the cardio. So for Chris Duncan, let me look at his resume recently. So he had the loss there against Vyashlav Borshev. You know, that guy's in the UFC. That was 2021, two years ago, a round two knockout. Now, since then, since then, he's won in UFL. He won his second Contender Series fight. And then he won his opening fight in the UFC by split decision over Omar Morales. I remember that fight. Wow. 
Sue. So two of his last three, he won by decision, which is a good sign as cardio's improving. Has a finish there against Charlie Campbell. And so he's 1-0 in the UFC. He's 1-1 on Contender Series. And now he steps in against Yanel Ajmov. Now, Yanel Ajmov, you might remember this guy from, he fought, he came in as a late replacement, right? And they brought him in against Sam Patterson at UFC 286. That was this year, back in March. And he got himself a round one knockout in a minute and 15 seconds. And I believe he was there as a plus 220 underdog. Plus 225 underdog. And Sam Patterson, who I already had been earmarked as a guy who was a little overrated, Yanel Ashmov took care of him. Now, for this fight this weekend, I'm going to imagine you're going to have Chris Duncan as a slight favorite. I mean, it's about even. That makes sense. I mean, look, I'm going to go with Yanel Ashmov. I think there's a dog in that guy that, you know, I don't know. I don't know that we've seen everything from him yet. Um, Chris Duncan is a physical specimen, though. And if you like him, I, I ain't mad at you, but before I do my full analysis, I'm going to side with uh, the Israeli, you know, Ajmov to win that fight. And I'm going to say it's in the distance in inside of like the second or third round. Second fight in the card, Bruna Brazil, who's from Brazil versus Shauna Bannon. And here's a fight that I kind of have an interesting read on because I've been following both fighters enough. And with Bannon through Invicta, we do Invicta breakdowns here at MMA Fight Club. So if so if you don't know that, that's how we would kind of have an idea of who these fighters are. So for Bruna Brazil, she comes to this fight off a disappointing result. She's 8-3-1. and one. Her last fight, she lost to Denise Gomes, right? That was just, what, in April, right? A right hook, ground pound. Denise Gomes messes her up. Now, Denise Gomes just had another win, right? Who did she just beat? Denise Gomes just knocked out Yasmin Yaraguay in round one in 20 seconds. So... Denise Gomes got some hands, all right? It's not like she's getting knocked out by just nobody um, or someone who doesn't have the power. Denise Gomes does have some power in her hands. But all that said here, for Bruna Brazil, she was a favorite in that fight. She dropped the ball. Um, looking to, She's looking to go ahead and get herself back on track. A good-looking young lady, by the way, Bruna Brazil. 8-3-1 and one overall is her record. So that was her UFC debut. She lost. I was back in April. Had some time to recover about three months later now. And looking to get back on the horse. Now, she's up against Shauna Bannon. Now, here's the thing. I mean this with all due respect. I've watched her fight. And, you know, those fighters where you're like, listen, she's doing okay for now. But as soon as she fights someone who's going to be, or not she or he, could be one. As soon as they fight someone that's, like, decent, they're going to have a hard time. So, I'm happy the UFC's given her opportunity for Shauna Bannon. And for Bannon, I'm glad she's taking the opportunity. Great, right? But I don't see how she's going to hang in UFC. Like, I imagine she's 5-0 and right now. That record turns into, like, 5-5. Five and five. <laughs> Like, unless they give her complete and absolute cans, her skill set right now is going to have a hard time going from Invicta to UFC. She doesn't have a lot of power in her hands. Uh, she's a, a little slow on reaction time. Like, she's not super quick or athletic. Like, she just doesn't have that, that quickness gene, right? But she's not awful either. She's got some toughness. Uh, she's a pretty girl to look at, so she's marketable. That's part of the reason why the UFC is signing her. And she's from Ireland, right? You know. But I don't see it. Like when I'm watching her fight, it, it's not. It's not there. And so for Bruno Brazil, this is a great opportunity for Brazil. Like wonderful chance to bounce back. I think Brazil. Brazil has fought better fighters, um, has fought tougher opponents. 
I think she hits harder. Um, she got a wake up call her last fight against Gomez. Shauna Bannon is not Denise Gomes. You know what I mean? So I, I just think that Bannon, welcome to the UFC. We can see her fight, but I'm on Bruno Brazil here big time. And I believe the line has Brazil like as a minus, what, 140 favorite or something, like something small. I'm definitely playing Brazil this week, and I like her to win the fight. Probably by decision, though, because you know what? <clears throat> I think she comes out a little safer early on. And, uh, <coughs> excuse me. You know what? I don't know about that. I could also see her wearing down Shauna Bannon because <clears throat> this would be a big step up in competition for Shauna. And for Shauna, again, I'm not talking down at her, pretty girl, all over social media, Instagram, the whole nine. Um, but I just think that this would be a, a tough step up for her. And I think Brazil gets herself back on track. Okay. And then one more fight to talk about is the first fight. That's Jafel Fijo versus Daniel Barrez. Yeah, haven't looked at this fight at all, but isn't this uh, Filho guy? I'm looking him up here real quickly. Mr. Filho, Mr. Filho. Oh, yeah. yeah, this guy's pretty good, man. 14-3 overall. He just fought the wrong guy last time. He fought Mohamed Mokayev. Got choked out in round number three. At least he lasted to round number three, right? And that was his UFC debut. Um, and was he a late replacement? Let me look here. Um... He wasn't a late replacement, but still just a really oh, wasn't that the fight where this yeah, oh my gosh. That's the fight where this guy, Jafil Filho, basically ripped apart Mokaev's knee, like hyper extended it, and Mokaev is just an animal and just didn't tap. That was the fight. Yeah, I like Phil Hill here. He's a he's a good fighter. For Daniel Barrez, um, he's what 16 and 5. Nice record there. Spaniard, right? And uh USC debut. Yeah, give me a guy like Philho who's already been in the UFC. Good submission skills, good grappling skills. I like Philho to win the fight inside the distance. And again, Daniel Perez. Hey, man, welcome. Welcome to UFC, dude. So that's UFC London or UFC Fight Night. Um, Aspinall versus Tybura. Main event is Tybura versus Aspinall. This is being held in London. No titles are on the line. It's not a UFC 290 or 291. I, I've seen some people misprint online. No, this is UFC 291 or something. No, UFC 291 would be the event with um, Dustin Poirier. That's coming up in about two weeks. So that's not what this is. Okay, boys and girls, we're at 127. I am like on the mark almost exactly on time. Let me give you guys a few things for this week. What's on top? What else we have going on? So you can come back and check out some of our other content. First and foremost, our newsletter for UFC uh, London comes out by Wednesday. So by Wednesday this week, you have the full preview and predictions all written up for you. Nice format, some research tools. Again, subscribe to our newsletter. The link is in the description down below, but I'll also put a link here for you guys on the screen. There it is. Run through Substack, mafightclub.substack.com. Subscribe today. On Wednesday night, Wednesday at 10 o'clock p.m. Eastern time, join us over here for Butterfly Guard with Haley. That's our Wednesday evening show, with which is hosted by Haley down in Texas. So join us on Wednesday at 10 p.m. Eastern time. That's 10 p.m. New York City time, 9 o'clock p.m. if you're in Texas, for Butterfly Guard with Haley. On Thursday, we'll have a schedule change for MMA Happy Hour, usually a Friday show, but we'll be doing it on Thursday this week because of a schedule change that needed to be done. So on Thursday evening, we'll have MMA Happy Hour. I believe that'll be at 7 or 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern. Stay tuned for that Thursday evening MMA Happy Hour with myself and Monique Yip. 
On Friday, we'll be giving you our interview of the week with a new fighter. That full interview will be published on Friday at 12 o'clock p.m. Eastern time. It'll be published right on our YouTube channel as a like a premiere. So you can actually watch it live, interact with the audience, and like comment section will be live as well. And then, uh, of course, next weekend, Friday night, we've got LFA. Friday afternoon, we've got uh, Cage Wars. Saturday, we've got UFC London. And then next Sunday night, same place, same time for Midnight MMA with yours truly going over the week that was. If you're wondering about Combate Cartel, which we had that show for about two, three weeks, um, that's kind of up in the air right now. It's a little bit like a sort of a holding pattern. Not sure what to do with that show. So for Combate Cartel, which was a Friday show we did for a few weeks, not sure yet. Um, I'm still talking to CeeLo about what he wants to do with that show, if maybe scheduling-wise maybe tough for him. So we'll see what happens with that one. Um, and then for Bigfoot, uh, Illinois' Bigfoot, <laughs> a show we flirted with doing, uh, we had a lot of talks with Bigfoot, Bigfoot, a good dude, um, ultimately just couldn't nail down a time. So that show has fallen to the wayside. So right now we still have MA Happy Hour. We've got Midnight MMA and we've got Butterfly Guard playing every single week for you guys same time same location same date same times unless it's like a schedule time change which will let me let you guys know about that ahead of time so <sighs> deep breath join us again on wednesday night hopefully we see you guys on wednesday oh the full breakdown video yes the full breakdown video as well for ufc uh london coming up on uh, this weekend that video should be out by wednesday as well so full breakdown video and the newsletter will be coming out by wednesday again subscribe to the newsletter like and subscribe to this channel if you haven't done so already. Thank you for your support. Let me go back to the comment section here and thank a few people, especially MPTV, Thomas, Terry Mizo, uh, Anthony W. Thank you guys for coming through. Tone Megan's, what's up, Tone Megan's? Good to see you. IC Prime, love to see you here, dude. Um, he's already signed up. He said, Thank you, IC Prime. Antoine Willis, I think Antoine was the first one to comment. Thank you, Antoine Willis. Of course, Thomas Manzanaro doing great work over on the ig man um and great reminder yes ele most important thing you guys can do when you go to sleep tonight wake up tomorrow morning man everybody love everybody we're all going through some version of shit in our life right and some of it's much bigger shit than other people's shit and trust me we all go through it and sometimes it feels like i can't like i just want to give up i'm i can't get through this man or why me or why why when you get to those mo when you get in those moments, when you face that kind of adversity, I can't pretend like I know what you're going through because I don't. I'd be lying to you. All I would tell you is that if you could make it to those moments when it's really fucking tough, when it's really rough, there's a silver lining. There's light on the other side of the tunnel. You gotta just hold tight, man. Hold tight. Finish that job you don't like. You know, um, move out of that house you don't like being in anymore. Uh, get out of that bad relationship. It's been so hard to get out of. Um, take that new job that you wanted to take. You know, take that 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 risk that you've been holding off on because you know oh, I wasn't ready. Don't hold on to the past, as they say. Right, look forward to the future. And quite frankly, we all go through that, man. We also go through moments of when we feel like we're failing and we're not living up to our own expectations. Moments when people tell us that we're failing. Just in our face, doubting us like you can't do it. You're not smart enough. You don't have a degree. You don't have the the wisdom, the money, the fortitude, discipline, smoke too much. Whatever they want to tell you, you're doing. My buddy Thomas Manzanaro, who helps us with the, the IG channel for us, 
he's over in France. He recently stopped smoking cigarettes. And I was like, wow, dude, like making some some health changes in his life, you know, just being aware of his mortality and wanting to be you know, healthier. And shout out to Thomas for for making that change. We all have our vices, right? Maybe we're drinking too much. Maybe we're maybe we're, maybe whatever we're doing, <laughs> doing too much. Right. Um, We are we are sort of our own keeper. We are the people we know ourselves the best. We know what we're not doing right, what we could be doing more of, you know, so on and so forth. So, you know, check yourself in the morning when you get get out of bed, brush them teeth, like, let's be better today. Let, let's improve our process today, right? And that's what ELE means, right? ELE is like, listen, everybody love everybody. Let's start with that. Nobody's perfect. We can all use some improvements. But improvement starts from within, right? So for those hearing this in the morning commute, and for those who do hear us on Monday mornings, a few guys are the best. Love you guys because I get comments that will come in on the morning, on the Monday morning, the Monday morning commute. People will say, yo, dude, I didn't catch you last night, but I heard you in the podcast and it's awesome, dude. Thank you. So on and so forth. So a shout out to the Monday morning commuters. When you're hearing this in the morning, go kill it today. Kill it in the boardroom. If you're a police officer, you're in the streets, stay safe. If you're a construction worker, uh, tie those boots up tight, strap them up. You're the people that build our society, our, our, our road workers, our, our, our highway workers, our, our railroad, railroad workers, the people who drive our buses, the people who fly our planes, man, you get this shit done. You keep the world going round. So attack Monday, go after it. Like you're an MA fighter, go after it. If you're a teacher, <laughs> God bless you. You're getting attacked from all angles. You can't do no right. If you're a teacher, you got the parents coming at you, teachers coming at you. Politics coming at you, people coming into the schools and trying to shoot you. I mean, give it for the teachers out there, right? Even the politicians, they're not all scumbags. Thank you for what you're doing. So if you're hearing this in a way to work on Monday morning, get it this week. Get that bread, get that promotion, get that job, deflect all the negativity. Boom, 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 boom. Just deflect all of it. You're just a sponge for healthiness, a sponge for happiness. And you got a shield, all negativity, all negativity just bounces off your ass. If you can do that for a day, turn it to two days, make it a third day and a fourth day. And you put these days together again and again and again, you just get a, a, a series of brightness. And then one day something bad happens. It happens to all of us. You get news you don't want to get. Something outside your control happens. It destroys you for that moment. And you spend a day or two and you have to recover and you, you take that time to emotionally recover, physically recover, maybe if you got injured, right? You get back to getting that next day, positive day, next foot forward. And again, back to that cycle of positive days. So let's make Monday, this Monday, the 17th of July, one of those positive days. Let's move forward. Let's get the job done. And if you're looking for a job, Today's the day you find that job. Today's the day you get the today you get the phone call back. You get the phone call for the interview. You get the good news. You got the job. And if you don't get that news today, it's coming tomorrow. But keep it positive. Deflect the negativity. And everybody love everybody. I'll see you guys next Sunday night for the same exact time, midnight Eastern time. Sunday's going into Monday. But if you don't want to wait till then, join us on Wednesday night. See you guys for Butterfly Guard. I'll see you guys soon. Deuces.